the Spanish announce table. Okay, Tom, this is a different episode. We, uh, I don't know that we've ever, ever done this. This is a, uh, uh, a wake and take uh, for the Spanish announce table. We were unable to, to record on a Wednesday because this is the best podcast recorded on a Wednesday, but now it's the best podcast recorded on bright and early on a Saturday morning. We used to be up for wrestling cartoons, and now we're up for... Uh, you all, right? We're here to... Wrestling hot uh, takes. Yeah, wrestling hot takes. It's a wake and take. How are you this beautiful Saturday morning, Tom? I'm tired. I'm very tired. Mm-hmm. Last night, I worked the Invicta FC show, uh, so got done with that pretty late because, unfortunately, only eight fights, but all eight fights went to a decision, so oh, I was uh, uh, there longer than expected. Yeah. Uh, Teardown took, you know, as it does... Uh, so yeah, we got done with that, came home, uh, finally saw Emily because when I work an Invicta show, I go straight from work, my day job to Invicta. So I don't come home. So I was gone, you know, I leave work at 7.45 in the morning and I got home at 11.45 at night. So it was a long day. And now, uh, we're recording this, the best podcast recorded before seven o'clock AM central standard time, the one true time zone on a Saturday morning. And to be completely transparent, because we love to be transparent with our audience, the reason we could not record on a Wednesday night is because my lovely PC, uh, said, Hey, here's an update. And typically, for the most part, I would say 95% of updates take around 10 minutes, which is still, you know, whatever. Annoying. But yeah. yeah, and we'll share, Tim and I will share text that says like updating, you know, call you back in an hour or, you know, call you back in 30 minutes, whatever. Minutes, uh, this one, usually, yeah. yeah, this one took two and a half hours. And it started at eight. So I was just like, we got work on Thursday. We love you guys, the audience, but you know, we also got to make sure that the, the lights are on at our house. So, uh, we decided to skip on a Wednesday. Um, Tim and I both were busy doing other things. So yeah, here we are Saturday morning for that ass. Well, Wake and take now because NXT is tonight and SummerSlam is tomorrow as we record this. And that means we're going to be doing some picks and some previews. Well, hell we've got to put the show up before those actually go out then or otherwise we're idiots. So mm-hmm. here we are. So what are your initial overview thoughts of this big wrestling weekend? This is arguably the second biggest uh, weekend in wrestling. Would you say? Yeah, I would say it's the second biggest weekend in wrestling. I'll tell you this. Uh, I wrote in my top five, uh, which you can find on SpanishAnnounceTable.net. I usually have some type of, you know, three sentences to a little bit bigger than a paragraph uh, blurb about the week that was, the week that's coming up. And I put in there, are you excited for WrestleMania? Like, can you feel it? Uh, We're full steam ahead. And if I'm being completely honest and transparent... I really feel like this one is one of the more subdued SummerSlam weekends. Now, if we were to peek behind the curtain and believe the tales of Dave Meltzer and you know Wade Keller, uh, the reason is because uh, everyone is number one objective is October for the move from SmackDown over to Big Fox, uh, Fox Network. So maybe that's it, but. Yeah, I don't feel as if any storyline necessarily is hitting home or really hitting a home run uh, for the main roster. And 
NXT, I do feel excited, right? I'm excited for Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano 3. Uh, but it's also Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano 3. You know what I'm saying? So it's not as if it's this new fresh matchup of two guys I've never seen wrestle before. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to get a good match, but I kind of know what to expect, especially at, in a two out of three falls match. Now, NXT, maybe I'm surprised and, you know, something hits me out of left field here, but I feel very subdued about the whole weekend. I'm, I'm obviously going to watch, but I don't feel giddy or, you know, have to turn my phone on silent so I can pay attention to a match or anything like that. What about you? I feel that exact same thing that you're talking about there, right? It it doesn't feel as over the top and and like oh my god, I can't wait to see this moment, right? From you know, like what we're used to, I guess, with SummerSlam, right? Like usually there's something on the line or some kind of big like man, what's going to happen here? And I mean, I guess there's you know, as we'll go through some of these, I, I mean, I guess there is that just by nature of it being wrestling, but I also don't think anything hinges on anything, if if that makes sense, you know? Well, and even to the degree of what the storytelling is to the audience, SummerSlam is somewhat of an afterthought because the go-home show for SmackDown, and we'll get into this later, but the go-home show, or excuse me, the go-home show for SmackDown was a whodunit where no match was made for SummerSlam, right? right? So Roman Reigns finds out his attacker, apparently. Again, we, we still have to peel back that uh, onion, but there wasn't a match made after it was revealed Roman did it. So even the go-home show left you with a storyline that's not even going to be a part of the pay-per-view as of right now, as of this recording. So that's even kind of underwhelming for SummerSlam that the go-home show storyline had nothing to do with the actual event. Yeah, that was really odd, that that Roman aspect. It kind of hit me as I was writing my article for SpanishAnnounceTable.net on the, uh, with the SmackDown review, is after I, I started typing out the outro to that, and I said, you know, it's interesting to me that we booked the ending of the final go-home show uh, as something that isn't really built, it's building beyond summer slam mm-hmm. and i thought well wait a minute is that true so i like had to kind of go back and verify that i was like man nobody involved in this who done it at all technically has a match on summer slam that may change we we may see mm-hmm. that or we may see some interaction between these folks but that i don't know that i've ever seen that definitely not that that's for sure yeah. well and then there's nxt i mean yeah gosh it is Gargano Cole 3, and yes, we've talked about how NXT manages to do this right, where WWE seems to have forgotten how to do this, right? The multiple matches, event after event. Mm-hmm. One, NXT mm-hmm. has the benefit of being spread out, right? They don't, they're not doing it month after month. They're doing it quarter after quarter. So a little bit more of the absence makes the heart grow fonder aspect, I guess. But I agree. we also... We're just praising them for doing this with Gargano Ciampa. So now it's like, okay, you know, if Adam Cole gets called up, are we going to do Gargano Velveteen Dreams seven times also? Like at some point we're going to go, hey, okay, guys, we've got to do something different here. So, you know, we'll get into each of these as we go along. But, I mean, I'm also not turned off by any of it. So I'm still excited for all the events. I'm going to watch all of them. I'm I'm kind of all the story, not all the storylines, but a lot of the storylines do have me 
at least mildly interested. So I'm excited for what's going to happen. The Spanish announce table. So what will most likely be the main event of SummerSlam, which we're underwhelmed by, is an underwhelming storyline which puts champion Brock Lesnar versus challenger and former champion Seth Rollins. Tim, uh, as I mentioned, this most likely will be the main event of SummerSlam. What are your initial thoughts? I just, yeah, for whatever reason, this particular storyline has really made me lose a lot of steam for Rollins. And it did the opposite. Like, I, I don't dislike Lesnar. You know, like this particular ultra heel Lesnar doesn't bother me. And that's not a good thing either. So I just kind of want this one to be over quick. If anything, I I want them to go so hard that it's brutal that they really try to get me more sympathy for Rollins, right? I mean, if, if that's what they're going to do, then make it look like you almost killed him, I guess is the only thing. And then I'll be like, man, he sure took one for the team. And I still don't know if that's going to be much. So yeah, I don't know, man. This is I don't feel much for this. Yeah, I think what I'm tired of is not necessarily Seth Rollins. I'm just tired of this type of story, right? So uh, you take out Seth Rollins and put in Roman Reigns. We've seen that as well, right? It's always Brock Lesnar as the hunter, sometimes as the champion, sometimes as the challenger, just decimating his opponent. And then we hopefully will see that opponent overcome the odds and then win, right? That's the storyline that I think has just been told to death because since Brock Lesnar took out John Cena at SummerSlam, I think 2014, that's essentially been the same story we've gotten his entire career since that point. And here is another example of that. So I hope the match uh, is a good one because I do think that Brock Lesnar can sell almost better than anyone. You know, they always talk about Dolph Ziggler's selling abilities. Brock Lesnar, I honestly feel, is right up there uh, in that category. And Seth Rollins can do any move imaginable, right? Like, you want him to do the the stupid Young Bucks thing, he can probably do it just as good, if not better. You want him to do the Shawn Michaels, you know, uh, 1990s little guy versus big guy, he can do that. So I know that the match itself will be good um i'm just tired of the storyline i wish we could repackage brock lesnar and paul Heyman a little bit differently have them be these renegade you know advocate and beast in the wwe instead of this king of the mountain push everyone down i'm here to conquer that's the storyline uh change that i want to see from brock and paul Heyman. in regards to seth rollins i'd like to see him win uh, and become champ again because I like when the title's on the show each and every week, which I will say, though, Brock Lesnar has been on Raw more than he has in recent memory, right? So yeah, it's not as true. if he's, you know, MA for months on end. He's been on pretty consistently, more consistently than he has. But I want to see Seth Rollins be the cool everyman. You know, when he walked out on Raw, when he had a backwards hat, his own um, uh, wrestling school t-shirt, his fun little skinny jeans, and I think it was some Converse or something. Like, even though I wouldn't wear skinny jeans, maybe I look like that, but he looked like any guy that you would see, you know, down here at the plaza or something like that. So I want him to be more of that everyman. Uh, 
almost Johnny Gargano-esque. And then I want to see Brock Lesnar be something in regards to like not allowed in the building, but Paul Heyman is, you know, slipping a 20 into securities, um, pocket. And then Brock Lesnar gets in and just demolishes Triple H's car or, you know, is trying to tear down the ring and F5ing refs, yeah, something Braun. like that. That's what Braun does. So. Right. But Brock Lesnar, to be honest with you, is a little bit more believable. Yep. A psycho. Uh, so I want to see that. But going back to this match, uh, I do feel as of right now, it'll most likely be the main event on the kickoff show like they did at WrestleMania. Um, and I know it'll be a good match. I just don't know if I'm anxious to see the payoff. The Spanish announce table. Okay, Tom. This one was sad. Uh, I guess, you know, based on his health, we kind of knew at some point this was coming. But Harley Race passed on. And to expand further on a very quick statement I just made there, uh, one of the all-time greats, what was eight-time NWA champion, Harley Race, local Kansas City wrestling legend, if not the local Kansas City wrestling legend, uh, passed on recently. Uh, and. We never got a chance to actually talk to Harley personally, but if you go back through our history and our lexicon here in the Spanish announce table, anybody we talked to locally here probably had a Harley race story in that interview. And mm -hmm. uh, from everything we've ever heard, not only did they all also agree that he's the toughest guy to ever walk the earth, as everybody's always said about him. What they've always said about him that we don't hear, like as the casual wrestling fan, is apparently he's one of the best people, like to you know, as a human being, also like a great person. Everybody loved him, a great leader of folks, a great trainer of people, and a teacher. Um, so this one hit a lot of people that we know personally very hard. Yeah, uh, one thing I would suggest is after someone passes, uh, the casual wrestling fan or maybe the younger wrestling fan gets bombarded with all of these highlight videos showing, for example, in this case, Harley races, amazing career from the seventies and eighties. Right. And you may go, like, I, I want to know more, but where do I go? How do I find things? Uh, stuff like that. I would recommend, I read a book, uh, probably a year and a half ago of his autobiography. It was written by him with a ghostwriter. Uh, I would recommend if you're interested now of who Harley race was, uh, read that book. It's really good. It talks about his early childhood here in Missouri, how he got started really at that changeover from uh, Carnival Act to, you know, selling out the, the Omni down in, you know, Charlotte or wherever it's at. Uh, so it, it's a really great read. I would definitely recommend if you're interested now in who really Harley Race was, read his autobiography. But as you mentioned, uh, a lot of people locally knew who he was. We unfortunately didn't get to uh, meet him. But for example, if you listen back to some past episodes, Travis Conley, he was the fastest graduate from Harley Race's school. Uh, he had an amazing Facebook post uh, about what Harley Race meant to him. Uh, my boss, actually, um, that I work for my day job, my real job, he lived in the same neighborhood as Harley Race. And what he said was Harley Race was the only guy to get full-size candy bars in the neighborhood on Halloween. 
everyone on Halloween would give you, you know, a pencil or a bite-sized uh, Twix. And here's Harley Race giving full-size Snickers and full-size Butterfingers and all of that. And he just was like, he was always the nicest guy. He wasn't ever, uh, my boss would say, he was never, you know, walking the streets or anything like that because he traveled a lot. But anytime you saw him, he'd stop and have a conversation with you. Uh, and on the other side of that coin, like you had mentioned, he is the toughest guy in pro wrestling, right? It's like him and Ming are the top two fighting for that number one all-time spot. Uh, and there's so many stories that Ric Flair has shared where, you know, uh, Harley Race would travel with Ric Flair to Japan uh, because Ric Flair may be a little nervous that the guy wasn't going to do business. And Harley Race made sure that the guy did business, you know, by either smacking him up or letting it be known that he could get smacked up. Uh, so it's just an interesting kind of full spectrum of who Harley Race was. And as I mentioned, if you really want to know who he was, uh, read his autobiography. It's a really good book. Um, and just watch some of his matches, right? One of the things that it did not dawn on me until I started reading these uh, in memories of him is he's the inventor of the diving headbutt, which if you think of pro wrestling and I say, hey, who invented the diving headbutt? I think I could give you a hundred guesses and you probably wouldn't guess Harley Race on any of those. But yeah, he was the invent, right? He's the inventor of the, uh, diving headbutt, at least as far as at that national, you know, scale. Maybe, you know, some tweet the table is going to be like, well, there was a guy in Memphis in 1972 that Harley Race saw do it, right? But you get what I'm saying. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. It's sad that he passed, but he lived a full life. Um, he obviously, uh, uh, was significant in a lot of people's lives, especially here locally with the Travis Conleys, uh, Striders, Wyatts, uh, uh, Derek Stones of the world. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a, a Kansas City legend, even outside of wrestling. As I mentioned, my boss uh, heard the news and he said, hey, did you know I lived in the same neighborhood? But even uh, older co-workers of mine who you know, couldn't tell you the difference between Conor McGregor and a Hulk Hogan knew who Harley Race was. And like when I was a kid at Memorial Hall, we watched him and Bulldog Bob Brown wrestle. Like that's how much of a Kansas City icon he was, is it transcended not only wrestling here uh in the city. He was up there with the Emmanuel Cleavers and um uh, JC Nichols of the world, uh at least locally. And so it's sad, but uh, you know, I'm glad that he's not suffering as he kind of was towards the end. And uh um I think, you know, watch a match of his. Watch the uh, steel cage match for the title against Flair. I think that's kind of the standard barrier. If you want to get into the business, watch his promo he does uh, where he puts a bounty on Flair's head. That's a, you know, all-time iconic promo. So uh, definitely, uh, if you want to, uh, get out there, read his book, as I mentioned, for the third time, or get on the network and watch some matches and promos. A name that was escaping you there, I think, a couple times with the Harley Race stories was Trevor Murdoch. And I think Trevor Murdoch, from what we can tell, as he's posted, was kind of the one with Harley at the end there, too. One of the ones with Harley at the end there. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And he kind of broke the story that, you know, they made a call to McMahon saying, hey, uh, I think this is it and we need to get him here. And McMahon covered all of it. So, um, you know, he, he thanked McMahon for giving him a few extra days with Harley because of that. Um, Murdoch is probably the one who gave us the most personal stories about Harley race, uh, off air mm-hmm. and on. 
And so if you do go back to listen to any of the interviews we had, I think a couple times we had Trevor Murdoch on because he was starting to school at one point. And uh, there's there's some great stories about there. And and you'll hear from him and folks like Miss Natural that we had on. Um, there's just a love for that man. And so uh, that, you know, those people we know, you know, we are hard squat to them because, you know, this is always a rough time. So I, I, I agree with Tom. If you want to honor the man's memory, go watch anything you can kind of consume and kind of just reflect on what he meant to the business. The Spanish announce table. Okay, we got what I guess we thought was coming and we're getting Goldberg versus Ziggler. What are your feelings, Tom? It feels like it feels like a ratings grab. I know SmackDown or excuse me, SummerSlam isn't, you know, based off of ratings, it's based off of buys, but that's the same kind of feeling to me is it felt like we need another legend because our stories are lacking. So who can we get? Well, Goldberg had a horrible match. And he doesn't want that to be his last one. So why don't we put him? Okay, but we need to protect him. Well, Dolph Ziggler is probably our best all around utility player here on the roster. And uh, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. So why don't we put him with him? Fantastic. And there you go. So it doesn't feel like a lot of, story i don't feel like they had any animosity there was some good you know promo shots uh that ziggler was taking at goldberg saying like man that was god awful just like goldberg's match with undertaker you know he was saying things like that so it was it was fun and it made sense but i don't think if at the start of the year you said what's a dream match you would say goldberg versus dolph ziggler right and so it feels a little rushed it feels a little um, uh, short-sighted because I don't feel how anyone benefits except for this will be a better match than Goldberg's last match. And if we're being honest with ourselves, I really think if we were saying dream match, Dolph Ziggler versus fill in the blank, that fill in the blank would not be Goldberg. It would be Shawn Michaels. Uh, so yeah, if you're not getting Shawn Michaels in a dream match for Dolph Ziggler, this kind of feels like runner-up. And that's what I would say about the storyline as well. It's a runner-up story. That is exactly what I feel about it. And it 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 doesn't bother me even that much, right? I'm like, okay, because I know that, right? Like, hey, Goldberg, we had said, was improving from what he was before, right? Like, and was serviceable even at his you know, advanced age. I don't mean to sound like he's this geriatric guy, but, you know, wrestling comparatively, his advanced age, we're like, man, he's, he's definitely in shape and can kind of go, and arguably maybe his matches might be better now because of his different approach, right? So, and we knew he had that horrible, you know, kind of unfortunate turn of events that led to a, a piss-poor match, right? I mean, it... I think that match would have come across a lot better had he not knocked himself out, right? So right. we we say, okay, he's going to do a better match. Ziggler, we know, will help make him look like a million dollars. But they didn't really build to that. The whole build was Ziggler, Miz, Michaels. And then it was like, ha-ha, Goldberg, because you said his name twice. So it just felt like, oh, come on, guys. We can get Goldberg in here to cut at least a promo like one time. It just felt weird, mm -hmm. so... Yeah, I don't see Goldberg's winning this uh, unequivocally, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Without a second thought. The uh, only reason he would lose is if they wanted to do Undertaker Goldberg 2 and somehow Undertaker made his presence, you know, felt throughout the match, either showing up or messing with the lights, and that distracted Goldberg. But yeah, I think this is Goldberg all the way. 
The Spanish Announce Table. In a main event that we've seen before, but we're going to see again, and unlike other main events that we've seen before and we're going to see again, we're actually excited for this one. In the main event for NXT over uh, Toronto, uh, we're going to see Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championships. Uh, championship. Two out of three falls. Uh, Tim, I tell you that all information. Uh, how how do you receive it? Um, I I just know that this is going to be good, right? Like uh, unless there's an unfortunate series of events, a la Goldberg knocking himself out, these guys are going to deliver, and they they've probably been working on this the whole flight over way well, flight, but you know what I mean? Like the, the whole time mm-hmm. they've probably been planning for this and already have this mapped out and gone over. So I, yeah, I just, I, it, it can't be anything, but at least a damn decent match. So I, you know, I haven't been following the storylines as religiously as, you know, say the main roster in WWE, but um, I feel like I don't have to with these because I just know these are going to be excellent and I'm they're going to tell me the backstory enough in the video packages and I'm going to appreciate it when it's done. Yeah, I've actually really liked uh, the story going into this match. I like the Adam Cole segment going to Johnny Gargano's hometown and Johnny Gargano's wrestling school and telling them all to quit because who he learns from is a loser. So all you guys will be is a loser. So, you know, that's really good. He moved to go to the guy's wrestling school and just be like, that guy's a loser. You guys are going to be losers. So let's save everyone's time. You guys just leave. And, you know, just what a dick move. I, I think that's a really fun way to get uh some booze towards your character who i wrote in my top five he's the cool adam cole specifically is the coolest guy in pro wrestling and if you disagree you're a nerd so i just i think he's awesome but he does need to do things to get uh heel heat and that's one of them right go to the guy's school go to the guy's uh parents pizza shop and give him a hard time things like that the only thing I will say that I'm not looking forward to, and it's not their fault, it's the match constructs fault, but two out of three is just, I don't, it, it, just do one fall. I don't, unless there is some type of dynamic where I'm a submission wrestler and you're a knockout artist, right? Like if that's the, the, uh, my strength is that and your strength is, you know, your knockout ability, that's when a two out of three falls match makes sense. But when they're just like evenly matched, I don't know. We all know where it's going to go to a third fall. You know what I'm saying? So like, let's just skip the two other things and let's just get to uh, the meat and potatoes of this match. And so that's the only beef I have. I must be hungry. I keep mentioning meat and potato and beef here. Uh, um, that's the only issue I have with the matches. Let's just get to what we're here for i don't need to do the first fall happens in three minutes or whatever let's just get to that third fall and then have the fun yeah the the aspect of the well i i'm picking a stipulation and you're picking a stipulation is is you know sure it's an easy story to get behind and then it makes sense the third is an outside body right the the guy running the place uh, gets to pick one afterwards and that's fun too because it can be based off of what's happened throughout the match right so it can kind of you know if you tell the story right he can say, look, this happened and this happened tonight. Well, that means this is going to be a whatever, right? So it can kind of, I think there's a real good chance for some storytelling here. It does sound convoluted, but I think if planned out and done right, and I, again, I have faith that NXT is going to do that. 
so I can't, right. yeah, it, it doesn't course. bother me as much, but it is a lot. And, and we've gotten enough of this on the main roster to have a distaste for it. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see if they can rise to the challenge, but I, I feel like they will. So, but I, I'm, I don't feel like either of these guys is in danger of the, well, he's got to lose cause he's getting called up. Right. I don't think that's happening with either of these guys. Oh God, I hope yeah, I hope neither one gets called up. So I don't know who I think wins this. I'm going to stick with Adam Cole because I think they just still keep riding the Undisputed Era being on top thing. Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, an Undisputed Era night. I've got Adam Cole retaining because I think they're going to do the we all have the gold type of storyline moving forward after this event. The Spanish Announce Table. Okay, we've got a generation versus generation match which i didn't again if you sat down at the beginning of the year and said what is your dream you know generation versus generation match i don't know that a whole lot of people would have come up with trish charlotte unprompted but when we're looking at it i think we've always been you know in agreement that like yeah this works like this kind of fits what do you think yeah it fits uh you know we kind of uh or at least i did kind of poo poo the goldberg Dolph ziggler dream match but a real dream match especially in the women's division is trish versus charlotte i think this is going to be uh looked at almost in the same vein now i don't know if the match will have the same type of uh reaction but in the same vein as the rock hogan right one generation generational great versus another generational great and in the women's division trish was the 2000s and charlotte is today so uh i'm excited just on paper of what this matchup is the story going into it i think has been decent i don't think it's necessarily been bad uh i think what's honestly been plaguing this storyline is crowd reaction i think if the crowd live gave a shit it would translate better to the at home but they've done really well in everything that they've been given so i'm excited for the match to be honest yes uh, i'm excited for it also and i um i'm here let's go to tweet the tables by the way use hashtag tweet the table on twitter you listeners uh share your wrestling thoughts we may read them here on the show also um at b underscore double underscore d says jesus please end this charlotte trish segment hashtag tweet the table and i couldn't uh, disagree more i thought that was really well done especially given that it was just two people going out there with an ego and saying i'm better than you no i'm better than you and trish having been gone for so long and not really practiced at this as well i thought that one was done really well i don't know what your thoughts were on that um i still think charlotte wins this because this is kind of how this has to go but uh i th- that one got me more excited that segment there yeah, and I liked how it was laid out with Charlotte saying, you know, uh, throw to my video package, and it was Trish's, and then Trish was like, oh, did you not like that? <laughs> and then, like, walking down, um, I thought it was really good. Like I said, I think the only thing that plagued it uh, for the at-home viewer is the crowd kind of sat on their hands, you know? They didn't really do anything to have that reaction. Um and it's not necessarily their fault, right? Like you can totally just not be into something, but then that will translate to someone who is casually viewing it from the comfort of their own home. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was fine. I liked it. Uh, again, every storyline I think that we're going to talk about on the main roster from here until maybe October when they go to uh, SmackDown goes to Fox is pushed to 70%. You guys have heard me say that. So, so you know, it's not catching the world on fire, Trish versus Charlotte, for but what for what it is, I think it's great. 
The Spanish announce table. Okay, Tom. Um, you know, and we don't talk about it much, but you're aware that uh, rock and roll, alternative rock legend Billy Corgan uh, of the Smashing Pumpkins owns and operates the National Wrestling Alliance. And you know that, yes? I do know that. Yes, I'm fully aware. And we've talked about how he's obviously uh, he's got a business mind. He's done very well for himself, even outside of the Smashing Pumpkins, and you know uh, has managed to uh, create a nice uh, bunch of wealth for himself from his business prowess. Yes, of course. Well, yes. he's he's used that expertise and his foresight and his ability to identify things in business, right? And apparently, he's realized that apparently. Uh, there's a shortage of and a need to fill an empty hole of wrestling television out there now, Tom, because NWA announces a new weekly television show. Uh, huh. What are your initial thoughts when I say that, Tom? But I have a storyline that catches my attention. There's way too much uh, pro wrestling right now. So not to sound like a smug, oh, uh, entertain me uh, at your best possible, you know, stories, but entertain me with your best possible stories because I've got NXT, main roster WWE, AEW, uh, MWL, New Japan. I, I've got so many options that – you better come with it, and Nick Aldis is really good as the NWA champ, but you better build some other things underneath that or with him because you're going to get lost in the shuffle because right now we're in like a pro wrestling TV boom era, and some of these people are going to get uh, pushed to the wayside, and I hope it's not NWA, but it definitely could be because, like I said, there are a ton of other options. Yeah, their first set of tapings is at the end of September, early October. So, again, uh, I, there's not a whole lot of uh, announcement yet of when it's and, and where it's going to air, I guess. Um, but uh, they're going to be producing it from Atlanta, Georgia, which, you know, has some history as a pro wrestling taping area. Um, and, I mean, that name down there may hold some weight to some people. But, again, uh, not to the new people who you'll need to continue to keep coming. So, I, uh, I just don't – I. I feel like if the NWA was setting or NWA was setting things on fire, I'd have heard about it by now. Well, that's the thing. I don't even know who's on the NWA roster, right? So who will I even see? Am I going to just see Nick Aldis and James Storm? Uh, you know, Drake. Uh, what's his name? Eli Drake. Like I gotta know who's who's else. Is Willie Mack, I, I think, is is there as well. But I'm not a hundred percent certain that's true. So. You also have to tell me who's on your roster before I'm going to tune in as well because I want to know what I will be viewing. So they have some work to do, but uh, if anyone can do it, you know, it's Billy because uh, he's proven to do other amazing things in other avenues of business. So I'm not uh, expecting it to fail, but I'm also not expecting to tune in. The Spanish announce table. Tom, I'm out of toilet paper. And okay. I know a great place I can buy toilet paper. They'll ship it right to your house. It's called Amazon.com. Is that a startup? Nah, you know, they've been around for a little bit. I think they're gaining a good share of the market, and that's why we want to support them now. Gotcha. Um, don't listen to any past things we've said about them. They're great. But what we would like you to do, though, is because they offer this program, is don't go directly to Amazon.com. And I'm speaking to you, the listeners here. Uh, you go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net. 
right? We're the only oh, people they do this yeah. for. We're the only people they do this mm-hmm. for. You go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net. We've got an Amazon link at the top of the page. You click on that. It will take you to Amazon.com, and you will pay the same price as you would if you went there directly. The thing is, Jeff Bezos will give us some of that cashola, right? That money, 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 right? Those greenbacks and Dibiase backed dollars, right? And we need that so we can keep the show free for you. You've had some experience with this, yes? Yeah. You know, I would definitely encourage all people listening uh, to support that uh, young startup company, Amazon. And while you do it, uh, support this juggernaut of a podcast as we grow bigger and better and better each and every week. Uh, so let us, the Spanish Announce Table Army, give a little rub to the small guy, Amazon, and go there by first going to our website, clicking on their link. So now you're exposed to this young startup company. And then, like Tim said, buy some toilet paper, maybe, maybe buy some tennis shoes. Hey, even get a T-shirt. And if you're not into all that stuff, you know, maybe you can just get a personal item for you yourself. But before you go to that young startup company, Visit this juggernaut of a website, SpanishAnnounceTable.net. You go to the biggest, baddest podcast recorded on a Wednesday night website, and you click on that link, and then that is what you do to get us some kickback so that we can show that little startup that we have a voice. The Spanish Announce Table. Okay, Stowen Cold, Kevin Owens, taking on Shane... McMahon at Summer Slam. Uh, I mean, we've at length discussed this one because it was one of the more prominent storylines leading up to the shows. Is uh, I just uh, it it lost some steam after its initial like, oh, here we go, they're doing with Kevin Owens as the Everyman, right? The the working man's guy, the the average fan speaking up finally, and then it just kind of didn't go much further beyond that and i just don't know that it's catching fire like it initially did and so i i I don't know i i kind of feel like mcmahon will find a way to get owen somehow you know like somebody will attack mcmahon one of his cronies thereby getting owens disqualified and fired and then owens tries to fight that injustice by trying to get in the building by blowing up cars outside or whatever right pulls the stone cold and goes i like that that's a good I never thought about that because, yeah, if he loses by disqualification, he has to quit. And that's one way that Elias could go in there and punch Shane in the gut. And then, you know, uh, Kevin Owens gets disqualified and loses. I never thought about that. That'd actually be interesting. Uh, I think in a storyline that should have main evented SummerSlam that had all the makings of something fun that we could get behind, this is just another match. I, I honestly forgot about it until you started bringing this up. Uh, because yeah, after that first initial uh, shoot promo or whatever we're going to call that, um, and then him getting kicked out of the building and then brought back in and stunner, yeah, it just became, oh, Kevin Owens is going to yell, Shane McMahon's going to sweat, and that's the segment. And so, I don't know. It just feels like every big pay-per-view, we have to have Shane must jump and I've said that before, but that's my feeling. I I don't understand why Shane McMahon is in matches anymore. I don't feel like he's a draw. I don't feel like, um, unlike Baron Corbin, where people hated him, but Baron Corbin was having good matches. Shane McMahon, people are hating him, not like in the good bad guy way, but like as the get off my television way. And then he's also 
not having good matches, except for one crazy spot. Um, and I'm just over that character. I wish this would be the end of it. I really hope Kevin Owens finds a way to win and Shane reevaluates his, you know, in ring career kind of thing and just says, you know what? I'm just going to, uh, transition to backstage and we may never see him for a year or five. And that's what I really hope that comes from the story. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It could be creative, but it also could just be another match, which unfortunately that's where I think it's going. Uh, but I'm going to go Kevin Owens wins this match. The Spanish announce table. NXT takeover, Tom. Uh, we've got a North American Championship match, triple threat, Velveteen Dream the Champion, puts his title on the line against the bruiserweight Pete Dunne and the man that Charisma forgot, Roderick Strong, uh, who, as we've always said, that is not the case when the match starts to happen. So, you know, provided he's working with somebody that's working his style, I think. But So this should be good. What do you think? Yeah, this could be the match of the weekend. Uh, this is has all the makings of some fun spots, some fun moments, some fun false finishes, all the stuff 2019 pro wrestling fans like to see. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think the interesting part is Velveteen Dream. And that's because, uh, like you said, Roderick Strong, when the bell rings, he's awesome. He's one of the best up there with the Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Ricochets, all that stuff. Uh, once the bell starts. Now, before that, he sucks, but... You know, during the match, he's awesome. Pete Dunn, another guy that's proven himself over in Europe uh, on NXT UK, can almost wrestle any type of style of match that you want. Uh, short, stocky, has that Taz mentality where the little guy syndrome, but he's also just disgruntled at everything in life, maybe because he is four foot ten. But then you have Velveteen Dream, who's really a WWE product, right? He was trained on Tough Enough. Uh, he's really, you know, a test tube baby of the Performance Center. So how can he adapt to Mr. Indie Wrestling, Roderick Strong, and Mr. European Wrestling, Pete Dunn, who they've seen everything under the sun? How will Velveteen Dream interact with those two and will he get lost you know will he slip on a banana peel things like that um so that's the part where i'm interested as far as far as in-ring product uh now of the three velveteen dream has the biggest character right i think of all three entrances he might do the craziest thing uh not only in this match but of the weekend so i'm excited to see that uh, i'm excited to see his little um improv moments during the match he might say something that'll you know go viral on twitter or whatever it will be uh so it's an interesting match to see how it will play out uh, um as far as picking a winner i think they're gonna stay with velveteen dream i think he can hold a storyline with a title that's somewhat of an afterthought right i don't think anyone's clamoring for the next big North American championship storyline. So I think to keep that title afloat and something that stays on NXT television, I think you need Velveteen dream. Uh, so that's why I'm picking him. Yeah. I, I think he comes away with this too, unless they're going to ride maybe a Pete Dunn or yeah, what you're talking about. They do. You talked about this earlier, maybe the, the uh, undisputed era reigns Supreme. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, oh, I forgot that right. I'd said that. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm going Pete Dunn, or excuse me, not Pete Dunn, uh, Roderick Strong to win the North American Championship. And foreshadowing, I'll go with um, the Undisputed Era to win the Tag Champs. Yes, because then Adam Cole, I forgot the, yeah. Yes, that's the angle I'm going with. Uh, all, all the gold, Undisputed Era. That's what I yeah. think this uh, will be re- remembered as. I kind of feel that too. And yes, coming up soon, we'll be talking about the NXT Tag Team titles. And yeah, I think I, th- I think you're on to something. So yeah, we'll both say that. Uh, Roderick Strong, North American champion. The Spanish announce table. So in arguably his biggest match at the second biggest show of the year, we have Finn Balor. Not dressing up or using the demon persona, taking on Bray Wyatt, who has created a new persona called The Fiend. Uh, I think this match is silly. I think eventually the storyline is going to be uh, the demon comes back and overtakes The Fiend. Woo. But for SummerSlam, we got regular guy, look at my dick, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Tim, who are you picking as the winner in this? The Fiend. Bray Wyatt wins this. He has to win this or else what the hell did they do any of this for? I'm most interested to see how this portrays. And I talked about this in one of my reviews on the Spanish announce table.net, right? Spanish announce table.net. Um, it, because Bray Wyatt has taken this character and done such a masterful job of evolving it. And by evolving it, I mean, not just changing it and being different. Like he, he changed the character, but kept, parts of the old one and expanded some of the weird ideas and characters into other characters. Like he truly evolved this character and he'd done it masterfully well that I kind of expect the same thing from an in-ring persona, if that makes sense. And I don't know if that's a fair expectation Mm -hmm. to have, but if it's just the same wrestling style that we got with Bray Wyatt before, I I don't know that it's going to hit as well or it's going to, be as good and i kind of here's something i kind of don't want to see is that upside down crab walk and i feel like we're gonna get that and i just like i'm a little worried about that are, are you worried about that uh, i'm worried we're gonna get a normal back and forth match that's what i'm worried about i think if you want to establish this new uh evolved version of bray wyatt you got to come in and hit it and hit it quick right make it pop more because i don't want to see Bray Wyatt in the corner taking forearms from Finn Balor and then he falls to the ground and then he misses uh, Finn misses the coup de gras. Like I don't want to see a typical match with this gimmick type of Bray Wyatt. I want to see the fiend, you know, Finn Balor comes out, look at my dick, takes his jacket off and then the lights go out, lights come back on. You get uh, a signature move from Bray Wyatt. Then you get the finisher and then that's it. That's what I want. Like, I don't want this. Oh, he's just like any other guy that wrestles now where, you know, he does all the crazy stuff outside, but, you know, you can small package him and he'll kick out at two. Like, I don't want any of that crap. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. For the start. Now, you know, WrestleMania. Okay. Right. Now we've established this character. We can do more. But for this first, hey, this is your big shot. Make it quick. Make it memorable. Make it in and out. That's about it. Well, yeah, something cool's got to happen. Like that has been happening to him, right? The lights got to go out. One of the puppets has to be in the ring to spook him, and then 
the mandible claw, right? Again, and, and it's over and mm-hmm. he's consumed his soul or whatever, right? Like, and then yeah. we don't see Finn for a while, right? Or he does something after the match that is just creepy and weird, right? Like, yeah, you yeah, got, I just it, don't want to see a, I just don't want to see a normal match. I want to see yeah. something different in this. This is best served to further the character beyond SummerSlam. And I'm, I, I don't know if they, they I, I think Bray might know that, so hopefully he can convince him, but I don't know that that's what we're going to get, but I guess we'll see. The Spanish announce table. Tom, it's a beautiful Saturday morning. We've decided to uh, corral ourselves up in, into some rooms by ourselves and talk to each other over a microphone uh, through the internet. And normally when we do this, it's late evening and we're kind of catching up like, hey, what did you do this week? And hey, what did you do this week? But now we're doing a wake and take. Uh, as we discussed earlier, we're doing this on a Saturday morning. It's 8.24 Central Time Zone, the one true time zone. Um, and so we're doing things differently. And so, Tom, uh, I don't care what you did this week. How, what do you think about that? I don't care what you did this week. I want to know, what are you doing today? What I'm doing today? Well, after this, I'm going back to sleep for a while because I'm very tired and I don't wake up this early on the weekend. So I'm going to do that. And then... Uh, we start the process of redoing the backyard. So we got the tree removed. It's been taken out of the ground, chopped up, taken away. And now today we uh, and then um, the, the team that will be doing our driveway and um, garage are going to be marking, you know, where not to dig, things like that because of power lines and whatnot. So doing that during the middle part of the day. And then at night, I'm going to the Chiefs first preseason game got some free tickets so free is always great uh free is always a great event to attend uh so i'm gonna be watching the chiefs backups uh, play some touch football well i guess they're gonna tackle but they don't really tackle too hard in the preseason um and enjoy that what are what are you doing today only today only uh similar man we've well uh, so much to do so the kids are starting school this week and we've got most of their school supply shopping done and stuff but i think we need to do some clothes shopping so we need to kind of do the parental thing of all right well let's go up and go through your closet and get rid of any crap any stuff you're not gonna wear right you, you remember these times right where's your old stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't fit anymore oh yeah oh, let's yeah. prove you say you don't have pants but i see eight pairs of jeans here <laughs> you know that kind of stuff right like are you mm-hmm. just not gonna wear them or do you not know they're here <laughs> that kind of stuff so we gotta do all that we also have been doing I don't know, say lawn work necessarily as you've been doing. So we've we've had our road redone here. Uh, it's still not fully complete because we've had to trench to get water off of it. But we're also starting to work on, Tom, we're going to, uh, moving forward, start working on setting up some greenhouses to kind of grow our own uh, vegetables and stuff and, and food out here, right? And so the beginnings of that is starting some composting, right, so we can get some uh, soil nutrients going, right? We're just going to kind of be a little more self-sustainable out here. On the old ranch, right? So we're going to start the well, beginnings of you. that, right? We've got to get like a compost bin built and stuff to kind of start doing Getting that. off the grid. Well, you know, I mean, there's a you know whole lot about they're talking about with climate change coming up that there's going to be food shortages and there's going to be changes and there's going to be. And then we just thought, you know what? It's not a terrible skill to have anyway. And if they're wrong, oh, well, we, you know what I mean? We grow our own food is not the worst thing either, right? So uh, yeah, we have all the land out here. The store. Yeah, but you're trying not to go to the store or anything you're gonna just stay at home for your right, right. life i see what yeah, you're just doing. just yeah just chain myself up here and just you know you guys stay away from me like I, I as a humanist i love uh you know people but i don't like 
you people, you know, <laughs> I like humanity, but I'm kind of yeah, on people. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's more, you know, it's, it's that, well, we were like, well, one of our largest expenses is food. Uh, we literally live on what other people would have as a farm. Um, why don't we, right? So we're going to do some of that also. Um, and then there's, you know, of course, uh, NXT tonight, but I'll also be working the comedy club at Kansas City, uh, Mo Alexander there tonight. So I'll be there doing that, right? Uh, twisting knobs and, or what is it? What is it? Uh, yeah, twisting Push, knobs uh, and pushing faders. Twisting knobs and pushing faders. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I'll be doing that. And, uh, that, that'll be my night. Well, I hope you have a great day, Farmer Tim. The Spanish announce table. I want to give Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton credit. They managed to grab my attention and give me some anticipation for this match. When when I first figured it out who it was going to be, I didn't think they would get my attention as much as they did, if that makes any sense. Um, so I want to give them credit. And again, they're both veterans, so it's, it shouldn't be surprising. And I don't know that it's necessarily surprising, but it, this kind of reminds me of when Christian and Randy Orton had their big match. That was SummerSlam too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was. And again, like, should we be surprised that veterans who share probably over 30, 35 years of experience together, uh, figuring out how to get us hooked? Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to the match as far as I don't know really who's going to win. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Randy Orton was the ultra heel that finally beat Kofi Kingston, right? That wouldn't be shocking. So there's some intrigue as far as who will actually win the match. Uh, and that's what I'll be watching for. Uh, as far as the lead up to this, though, I felt like they relied a little bit too much on one moment 10 years ago, or ho- however long it was, where Randy Orton got pissed because he was uh, a baby and yelled stupid at Kofi Kingston. And then Kofi Kingston, X number of years later, yelled stupid back at him. Like, it was cool, but now I feel like that's the whole match is this one moment 10 years ago. And it's fine. And the story, I don't know. It, it, again, if I'm being completely honest with you and the audience, all these matches kind of suck because all these matches are not told fully. Like it's two weeks and we make six programs. So it's fine. It's fine. I'm not saying it's, it's bad, but I'm more interested in the, the finish of this match more than the story of this match. Yeah, I might be with you there. Um, you you are right. Like once they gave it a thing for them to have some long standing distaste towards each other, right? Because sometimes there is that, right? Like somebody said something a long time ago, and then you never addressed it with them and don't really know them all that personally, and so you just have this like, yeah, I don't like that fucking guy, right? Like that's very believable. Right. Whereas, oh, yeah. like, had mm-hmm. you just then been like, hey, dude, did you mean to say that? That's fucked up. Right. And then they could have been like, oh, no, that's not what I meant or whatever. You guys could have been friends or something, you know, or at least not have this like irrational dislike for somebody. So I believe that. But then, yeah, once they identified that, it was this is it. Like, that's all. Like, this doesn't make sense. Was he harboring this for 12 years? And then now uh, right. you're right. Like, this seems weird. Um, you know, it, it'd just be one thing if it was one of those, you know, why I never liked you. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But. Yeah, and again, I don't I don't think it's bad. I think they're just using that as a crutch too much to tell a story, right? But they're also the story of Randy Orton has been, you know, decimating all challenge you know, all challengers to become the number one contender. And now the roles are reversed where Kofi is the 
um, champion and Randy Orton is the challenger. Like they're, they they could tell more of a story than just like, remember that one time when they said stupid to each other? That was fun. Like, tell me why, why does Randy Orton deserve a fucking champion match, a championship match? Why? Right. For what reason? Yeah. Like you could say that that's one thing that I feel like all of these championship matches outside of maybe the United States championship match, which we'll get to later, but why? Why is Ember Moon challenging Bailey? Why is now Natty won a match to become the number one contender? So that makes more sense. But do you get what I'm saying? Like Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston. What makes Randy Orton number one contender and not, uh, you know, Carl Anderson? Like we're just picking guys, and that just you could do it better. The Spanish announce table. Tonight, as we record this on a Saturday morning, NXT TakeOver, we will see an NXT Tag Team Championship match. Uh, Fish and O'Reilly of the <laughs> Undisputed Era. Was that Red Dragon? Fish and O'Reilly, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, Red Dragon. Red Dragon taking on the Street Profits. And I think we're probably in agreement here. I think the Street Profits are gone. I think they're going up. I think they've been well-received in their backstage segments on the main roster of Bra. It, they're on both, huh? And then... Um, have they been on both or have they just been on Raw? I can't remember, but they've just been on Raw. Yeah, they've just been on Raw, but they've been well received there, and I think they might fit in well there. And I, I just think they're stars, so that might be time to go ahead and move them up. But fishing around, I think you're right with the with the undisputed era holding all the gold, and mm-hmm. these guys they fit. They look like tag team champions, right? So I think that's where we're going with this. Yeah, I got the Undisputed Era because of that. But I I don't think that the Street Profits go to the main roster. I think they want to tell the story of Street Profits chasing the heel champions. They haven't really done that, right? So what they did was they won that championship, the tag team championship, in a ladder match, which was just kind of like a catch-all, right? All these teams are in there. Let's see who prevails. Now you can get a little bit more character development and have them on the receiving end of a beat down from all of the undisputed era, right? Because the tag champs don't want to get another shot. I think that's the next story. That I do agree that they've been a hit on the main roster, but I think they like that so far. I think they like the comedy five second promo kind of uh, segments that they've been doing. And so I feel they'll stay on NXT and then be put in this new role of chasing the champions instead of being the champions. Yeah, I mean, I get, he could be right there. Uh, I just uh, it doesn't feel like WWE thinks that, right? <laughs> you know how they've operated lately. And again, this is pulling the curtain back a little, but I just think they're going to go, these guys are here. We're going to market them here. They're going to tour with these well, guys. Well, then the other reason, yeah, well, then the other reason is, I mean, so the Street Profits leave. Who's Undisputed Era going to wrestle? Who's well, the yeah. name? Yeah, name another tag team right True now. That. So, and maybe they <laughs> when's the next big? It's Survivor Series is the next thing that there'll be a takeover for though, huh? So that's a couple months down right. the road. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so man. they can yeah, they maybe. can do that for a while. Yeah, maybe they can do that. We'll see. The Spanish announce table. Going into SummerSlam, I think the best story that's been told has not been any of the main event stories with Brock and Seth or even Natty and Becky Lynch. I think the best story 
Uh, it's not been a great one, to be completely transparent. But I think the best storyline is still Ricochet versus AJ Styles, with AJ Styles now reforming uh, the OC or the Bullet Club or whatever we're calling them. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun match. This could be the match of the night for SummerSlam. I think there's going to be an NXT match uh, that may be the match of the weekend for this event. I think AJ Styles and Ricochet has all the makings of being the show stealers. So uh, this is going to be for the United States Championship, which Ricochet just was the title holder, and now it's AJ Styles. Uh, who do you got in this match? I think... Ah, man, I feel like they're going to probably continue this because I think the ricochet push, if we're going to call it that, of the ultra babyface is reliant upon the dastardly heels constantly being a thorn in his side. So I feel like it has to continue. So I almost feel like ricochet has to win so that they can keep chasing the title and kind of flop it back and forth, if you will. Right. Because if, if AJ Styles and the club just beat ricochet, doesn't make sense that they would keep messing with him. Right. So would they just stop that, move on to something else, and then what does Ricochet do? Are we going to have somebody else pick on him, and then why is everybody picking on Ricochet? <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I think Ricochet wins this. I've got Ricochet as well, but I think it's because the club will go move to maybe a main event story, right? I think that Rollins win the uh, Universal Championship foil again would be AJ Styles a second time around, except for this time he has the club. Or you could see the club going up against, uh, you know, because brands don't matter anymore. You could see the club trying to pick on Roman Reigns, right? Beat up John Cena. Well, let's beat up Roman Reigns. Uh, I think they're going to move on from Ricochet. And Ricochet is the United States champion. You know, there's plenty of people there, right? You can go back to Samoa Joe. You could go to Drew uh, McIntyre. There's other guys for him to wrestle. Uh, so I think this is more to get the club away from the title and elevated to a more main event story guy. The Spanish announce table. Tom. Tim. Did you also know that we have our own merchandise for sale. I did know that. Mm -hmm. I actually have a t-shirt and a sweatshirt. And coming soon, once I get done with all these medical bills, thanks government and healthcare, I'm going to get me a coffee mug. Mm. A Spanish announce table coffee mug. Tom's so broke he can't even drink his coffee, folks. That's why you need to go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net and look for the link that says Merch Table up there. It'll take you to our Zazzle page. Zazzle. That's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E, but it's just easy to go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net and click the link. And then there's all kinds of stuff, man. There's shirts. There's a deck of cards. I think there's a flask, maybe? I don't, you know, I don't even remember. Coffee mugs, phone covers, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats. Various designs. Any and everything you can think of, we got it. Click the link, SpanishAnnounceTable.net. So do it. SpanishAnnounceTable.net. Spanish Announce Merch Table. Check it out. The Spanish Announce Table. Okay, it's Saturday morning. We both have things to do, as we addressed earlier, and so I was going to break uh, these final matches into a bunch of individual segments like you've heard throughout the show, but you know what? Um, honestly, these would all be one little minute, <laughs> or, you know, one minute quick hits because they're the early matches or they're the matches that they haven't done much, you know, storyline progression in. So we're just going to kind of, you know, some of these have had more, One of you know, so we'll dig deeper into some of them than others, and we'll start with this one. The Becky Lynch Natalia match um, is probably the one that has the most story 
on TV the that rest, we've seen. Right, of the rest so of the them. matches. Yeah. Yeah, and um Yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah. But it doesn't because it's the same uh hey, now the baby face is a little mad uh-huh. and then the champion is going to keep their title. We've seen that story for as long as there's been pro wrestling. Uh the interesting aspect of this is place to the favor of the challenger because of the sharpshooter, although the champion can counter with her disarm her that Becky Lynch has. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a decent storyline. Again, I feel like most of these stories on the main roster are two weeks of story uh, pushed out over a course of five weeks or so. Uh, so it's a little flat as expected when you kind of just lay it out that way. Um I don't think that uh, Natty wins this match. I think Becky continues her reign. I do think, though, we might see a different version of Becky at the end of this match. I would not be shocked that this is in Toronto. We might get some boos for the man, and now we might get the man but as a heel, right? That would be an interesting thing is she's all saying the same things, but now she's just attacking people because she's attacking people because she's afraid. Uh, That's where I think we could see a difference post-match as far as um, afterwards. But uh, I'm not, again, I'm not entirely thrilled or excited, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm in that same vein. The submission match is interesting. I do think, I mean, we know how Canada reacts when they're, when they like their person over the other, uh, you know, the the one WWE wants you to cheer for. So I, I do think Natty gets that kind of Chicago punk feel, right? Where mm-hmm. they're going to be behind her no matter what. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, Becky Lynch is being applauded as this like great new character. But can, will she be able to adjust to that? And I think she can given the way she's been playing the character now, right? She doesn't mind kind of playing the heel as the face, if you will. So I don't know if it's done as well as others have done it before, but she's doing it, right? So, I, uh, man, I, I, I would not be shocked to see Natalia come away with this, given all of the factors involved there, to just continue that storyline, maybe. Um, and oh, it might be a legacy, here you go, Natty, no. for a month before we swap it back over. Of course. You don't think they would blow yeah. the roof off of that place oh, for a yeah. month, Rain, you know? Of course yeah. they would. Oh, of course they would, but I think too many things are playing into Becky Lynch's favor right now. Being on the cover of the video game, uh, being a female on the poster, things like that. I think that's why. I mean, like you said, it is Toronto. They are known to do WWE is known to do quick fixes, you know, to get a pop and then move on. So it wouldn't shock me, but I still think I'm going Becky Lynch. But also. Uh, another title match as we kind of just transition that into another match. Uh, you have the SmackDown women's championship of Bailey versus Ember moon in a match. Tim going to be completely honest with you. Uh, I do not care about at all. I don't think, think it's interesting. I don't think any character here is intriguing. I, this match of all the matches is the only one I would say like that doesn't deserve to be on SummerSlam. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm with you there too. It's, it, it really, neither of these characters, uh, I'm going to say neither of these performers do a good job of believability. Bailey was halfway believable when she was doing the hugger thing out of NXT because that kind of legit was her. But ever since then, the, the, I'm the top dog, Bailey badass. I don't buy it. The smug, I'm better than you, Bailey. I don't buy it. 
This Ember Moon is clearly a cosplaying a pro wrestler. Like I just, it's yeah, it, it's just none of this is good for me. None of it. I don't care who wins moving forward because it's going to be the same sword moving forward, uh, and neither one will pull it off. So, yeah, I, Bailey wins just because it's Bailey. B- yeah, I agree. So let's get right into the next one. Now this this match has me a little bit intrigued as I'm completely serious with you here as I've been trying to be all episode. But 205 Live is starting to grow on me. I'm still not watching it consistently, but I do put, pay attention to Twitter. And when they mention, you know, a Jack Gallagher, uh, Chad Gable match, I make my uh, time, you know, I set my time aside to watch that match. Drew Gulak, though. I think has been doing really well as champion. I don't know if he's necessarily going to transcend the the brand and you know take it to new heights, but he's he's growing on me. I do like his in ring style. I do like his seriousness. His promos, uh, unlike Bailey and Ember Moon, are believable. Uh, Oni Lorik, I don't really know too much about. I know he's really good. He he reminds me a little bit of. A better version character of Roger Strong. We're both guys really good once the bell rings, but before and after, it's kind of watered down, lackluster. However, Oni, I think, does a little bit better than Roger Strong, if I'm being serious. Uh, but with this match, it's obviously going to be on the kickoff. Uh, I think Drew Gulak continues his reign as champion again. I think he's adding some stability, some marketability. Uh, I think he's still riding high as far as momentum from the Evolve match he had with Matt Riddle. Uh, so I'm going Drew Gulak. What do you think? Yeah, oh yeah, Drew Gulak. I, I don't see Oni Lorcan as... From the little I have seen too, I th- that's a very good comparison with the Roderick Strong thing. So that alone, I don't see him holding a title where... Where Strong can hold it is it's their mid-tier title in a group where other people will be holding titles, Mm -hmm. and we think that's going to be the shtick. So that works, and he is good enough to make because of that, and he's been a a veteran that, like, even if it was him just holding the North American title by himself, that, like, you would – it would be good enough as a heel purpose to hate because you'd be like, this guy's not good. Like, what? Get out of here, right? Like, so – um, with Oni Lorcan, I don't even know that he can make you feel that. Like he plays the brutal, uh, you know, brawler uh, mm-hmm. heel in ring very well. So uh, yeah, I think Gulak wins this for sure. And then keeping going through, let's talk about this one: the NXT Women's Championship match. Shayna Baszler is still their champion. Um, Mia Yim, I feel like is probably the one that I feel out of all these Baszler matches we've seen at all these takeovers that has. The, enough behind the scenes uh, likability and 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 at least push that they've been given behind her that might actually be a legit contender to take this off of Baszler, but would Baszler be gone then at that point? Are they gonna do that? Is she sticking around? What do you think, man? Yeah, I don't know where this goes. I do feel that of Shayna Baszler's opponents during her title reign, this one has. Uh, the most intrigue for me because it's an actual character. It's not just a fucking pirate that just spins a goddamn wheel and goes like, this is fucking cool, right? Like Mia Yum has some believability, has uh, a good story. Uh, There's just more to get behind with Mia Yim than any other challenger to Shanna Baszler. And I think the crowd likes her, right? I think, as much as whatever that girl's name is that does the the elbow, I can't remember her name. She's a Kabuki warrior girl. Um, 
we just like the elbow and man, she's a good wrestler, but really fuck off. There was nothing else. Mia Yim though, has some stuff there that you could say that that's championship material. She can, you know, have a match with another person and have that championship aura to her. And she's tough. And she's tough, but I don't know, man. Shayna Baszler has that old school champion field. Well, she has that old school championship feel. And I don't feel like she's going to, you know, have the reign of a Bruno San Martino or anything like that. But the, the, um, when you go into a match with Shayna Baszler, it's almost accepted that like, yeah, Shayna would win. Like, it doesn't feel like her title reign has been too, long or tired as far as storylines go you know it just feels like that's the fucking woman she's the man oh yeah she's the fucking girl and so every match i just feel like i just feel like yeah she's gonna keep winning so this one i feel like she will win she would have pulled the man gimmick that becky lynch is doing off a thousand times better a mm-hmm. thousand. She already was. She just wasn't calling mm-hmm. herself the man. Mm-hmm. She already was. I, I think just, she's the best. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's the best women's wrestler outside of Charlotte. I still she, think Charlotte's the best. But. I still think she's one of the best heels from that aspect of just that, right? The the legit. Like, she could come into my house right now and be like, I will kick your fucking ass right now, or I'm taking everything out of your fridge, and I'm taking any money you got in your wallet, and I'm leaving right now. I might consider being like, well, I mean, if she just takes my money and food, I'll be all right, right? Like, I don't want right. to fight mm-hmm. this person, because yeah. she's going to beat me up. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mind. It's not like if she wins this title, it keeps this title, that I'd be like, well, that's stupid. I Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Keep it going. Yeah. She's the best. And I think... Yeah, and I think a little tweak to her character, she could do the baby face just as well. The and she gets a promo, but she doesn't have to say much either. And so, I yeah, I think all around she's really awesome. So even though Mia Yim is the best challenger to her championship, I still think Shano uh, defends it and walks away from NXT Takeover as champ. Now, the last match we'll get into: Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Uh, Eo's really good. I think she's a better character than the Asuka Kabuki warrior girl, any of the, the Japanese pro wrestlers, uh, female pro wrestlers that we have right now. Um, uh, Candice LeRae is good. I, I don't really get behind her. She, she's, you know, Johnny Gargano's wife and she plays the Johnny Gargano character. And so it's, it's fine. It's good. Uh, but Johnny Gargano did it first kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so I feel like, okay, well, you're doing the same thing as your husband. And so fine. EO, I, I think will win, but I don't know where we go after this. Maybe another rematch, right? Maybe it's a small package and Candice LeRae's call shenanigans and we get another rematch. But uh, I'm, I'm not that excited about this one. I think that's why it's in our quick hits, but. Uh, we'll see. It could be a, a a show stealer as well. We'll see what happens. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. The the most interesting thing about that I've seen about Io Shirai recently was that they put her name on the Kabuki Warriors instead of uh, Asuka um, on the SmackDown graphic last time that the Kabuki Warriors what? came in. <laughs> yeah. Guys. 
that's what why, I was like. Why? Did, why? Why? Did, why, did, why? Did we? Uh, did we hire Britt Baker uh, <laughs> when I wasn't looking for the? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So and Candice LeRae, yeah, all the same thing. I just feel if she would have come in without, you know, like anybody that comes in with their spouse or their relative has that filter that you just can't help but think about, right? Like, it's like, okay, well, would you be here if you weren't, you know, well, just by not nature? necessarily that, not necessarily that for me, but what I kind of lose interest in is it's the same character, right? Is, you know, uh, I would feel the same way if the she was on the other foot. If Candice LeRae was this likable baby face female pro wrestler and then her husband came in, Johnny Gargano, but then he's doing the same likable baby face thing. I'd be like, Johnny, man, you need to do something different because your wife kind of already did this first. That's how I feel about Candice LeRae. It's like, it's fine. It's good. But your husband already did this first. So you kind of have to do something different. So I don't mix the two up. Uh, that's where... You know, we talked about the Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch uh, relationship that was shown on TV, but those are two distinct characters, right? I mean, they're baby faces, but Becky Lynch is the man, a brash in your face. You know, I'll tell you off. Seth Rollins is more of the, hey, the ring, and I'm going to beat you in the ring and show you that I'm the best guy on the roster. So there was enough differences there to where they could be a couple, but I could tell the difference between the two. All right, well, let's wrap this up, man. I don't think that I've been moved off of the idea that we talked about at the beginning where, yeah, SummerSlam, TakeOver, I'm excited because it'll probably be good. It's not going to be bad, but nothing is like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, I think if us as the IWC was, was being honest, we are all just waiting for October, and I think we know that WWE is doing the same. And so with that, uh, a SummerSlam 2019 uh, kind of goes under the radar. I don't know if necessarily anything will be memorable. Now, I could be wrong, right? The stories going into it were mundane, but uh, there's been past events where going into the event, it wasn't that great, but then the event itself created memories that will last a lifetime. So hopefully that is what happens here. Um, but I think both Tim and I uh, will, will tell you we're positive and patient about SummerSlam and NXT uh, 2019. The Spanish announce table.